Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And um, we've got a very, very special guest that we have just uh, had uh, the pleasure of meeting. I cannot believe we got to talk to him. He's a legend of the game. And we shouldn't really keep him waiting in the waiting room for too much longer, Chris. Should we let him in? I think we should, but before we do, uh, just a big shout out to everybody. If you're not liked and subscribed yet, please do like and subscribe on our YouTube channel, Twitter, we're at 100 Report, Instagram at The 100 Report, but that's it. Let's get straight to it, shall we? Kumar Sangakara, thank you so much for coming on to The 100 Report. How are you? How's, how's it all going? Um, I'm very well. Um, it's been a, a strange few months, really. Um, you know, uh, from the start of uh, of lockdown, you know, last year, and then um, extending through to now, where everyone's trying to readjust, replan, um, and then uh, you know, come to some degree of normalcy in terms of uh, one's day-to-day work and association. So. Um, it's been uh, it's been challenging at times, um, and, at, and at other times it's been uh, um, quite interesting in terms of how um, um, our lives have adjusted and how we've come to form a, a kind of a new set of patterns and habits. Um, but all in all, I think everyone around the world is is looking forward to what um, twenty twenty one can bring in terms of relief from the pandemic. So I think we're no different here in Sri Lanka. Absolutely. Um, and on a, on a personal level, um, uh, obviously, having been aware of the IPL draft, you were um, in, in lockdown. Uh, but h- how does it feel getting, getting out and getting back home? Oh, it's always nice. Um, that's one of the, the, the harder things um, is to spend, you know, your two weeks in, uh, in isolation, especially when home is, you know, less than an hour away. Um, that's always uh, the most difficult part. I mean, I was in Abu Dhabi for probably less time than the, the, than the time I spent in quarantine. But those are the, the realities of the day, the precautions that we have to take. It's all about safety, not just of, of yourself, but also, you know, the safety of others. So we've got to, uh, you know, kind of suck it up and, and, and get on with it and be and be very mature about it. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone, everyone loves to complain, so I have, I've, I've done my share. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that I was curious about, because um, me and Charlie have talked about this before, we've had to go to lockdowns for our respective works as well. And one of the things that we always were wondering is how do you occupy your time and uh, how do you occupy yourself through that? I know there's only so many jigsaws I can do before I start uh, start losing my control and my sanity. How about yourself? Well, I think uh, being an international cricketer and having been on tour for over 16, 17 years of, of, of my life, I've mastered the art of doing nothing. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, spending a lot of time out of suitcases and in hotel rooms, uh, you kind of, you know, come to grips with the fact that you have to entertain yourself. Um, and for me, uh, it's strange. I mean, yeah, it is difficult, especially when I, you know, from a family perspective, um, of, of not seeing the the wife and the children uh, and my friends, uh, but at the same time, it's for me. It's always been a case of just you know making up my mind that it's something that I have to do, and then I settle into it. You know, if I whether I read or watch TV or or do work and have meetings, uh, I think technology has eased a lot of the troubles in that in in that sense. Um, you know, even when you don't want to be found, uh, technology still reaches you now. Uh, gone are the days when you can, you know, 
you know when you know you you, you have your landline and and that's it and if you if you leave you you've left and you're out of touch now with mobile telephones and zoom and um, and uh, and what not you're always on call on hand um so um, it wasn't it, it it was hard but it wasn't as hard i think as i love to make it out to be it wasn't an exceptional achievement getting through 14 days by myself in a room that i had i had things to occupy my mind and 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 my time well, Kumar, we'd love to ask you about the IPL because congratulations on your new position with the Rajasthan Royals. We're really excited for you. And um, just wondering how it works when you join a current franchise in terms of the level of input that you have alongside the other coaches and the existing owners. Well, I think that's a really good question. You, I mean, you join a franchise for a specific role and you want to have independence and, um, and control over how you know what you do how you do it what you say and decide but at the same time when you do join a franchise so late in the day in terms of the process you know a month and a half or so away from an actual competition start you need to also be guided by uh, a lot of the knowledge that's already there the processes that are in place a lot of um, you know close conversations with the people already there trying to find out and evaluate what's what's worked what hasn't what needs to change and and even if something does need to be changed, what that right time is, uh, whether you wait till, um, you know, the curtain comes down on, on, on this particular season, uh, or do you try and rush in and, 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 and change as much as possible, as quickly as possible, so that it, uh, it, it doesn't become confusing or inconsistent when it comes to your team? Because at the end of the day, you are working with people and in an IPL franchise, the squad that you are selecting from to play, they become the focus. And if they can trust the staff, the process, it's consistent, um, and they feel that they're genuinely cared for and they have the right expertise in place, it's not too difficult to build trust. Uh, and when that happens, a lot of players, when faced with challenges in terms of game situations, they always rise and react pretty well. Um, so those are kind of the the kind of subtleties uh, and the little nuances that you kind of come to grips with and understand as you kind of grow into a role. So I'm pretty much still very raw and very new. Um, and I, I guess I learn a lot more uh, and hopefully good lessons uh, as we progress. But uh, yeah, I think, I think this plan, time of planning and preparation is, is, is very, very crucial to lay that foundation for a good season. And when it came to this year's draft, were you able to put forward some players that you were keen to work with and include in your team? Yeah, yeah, we had to spend a little bit more money on on certain players than we that we would have liked. But uh, Chris Morris, for example, but um, that's the nature of small auctions. Um, if you had the big auction that's coming up next year, where you have to rearrange an entire squad. Uh, with your total purse in hand, the money gets spread evenly around in terms of your targets. But here, when you have a large purse and a, and a very few specific spots to fill, and those players are then being chased by other franchises as well, uh, you can see a little bit of carnage as we did uh, in the auction. Um, but uh, um, franchises assess and evaluate their choices and their buys very closely. Uh, they do a lot of research. Um, they they follow and analyze a lot of data and stats. Uh, they also try and, and analyze things that are not really available in hard number form, uh, which is uh, personality checks, um, compatibility, character, um, 
all of that also goes goes into the mix. Um, so we're pretty happy with the, or very happy, I would say, with the players that we did get in the squad, and we're looking forward to working with them. Fantastic. Um, and I guess uh, being that, obviously, because you were quarantining, you were um, in, uh, in, in Colombo uh, self-isolating, um, how hands-on was it and uh, being uh, sort of patched in remotely? And um, was, it, was it a strange experience not being there with everybody else uh, throughout, the, throughout the actual drafting process? Yeah, it was quite strange, surreal, really. You're patched in and you're spending these exorbitant amounts of money. And there's a time delay. Uh, there's someone with a the paddle. <laughs> there's a, an advisory team around a person with the paddle, of which uh, I am one. But, you know, from, uh, you know, f- from internationally across the, across the sea uh, and trying to get all of their conversations done right, it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. So you have to really trust the the people there the processes that have been set in place what you've really basically spoken about before that that day in auction um nothing really goes absolutely according to plan or smoothly but that's that's one of the things that adds to the excitement i guess um uh, i think for us the upheaval was the the the, the stretching of the purse to accommodate uh, in, in morris uh, other than that the rest uh, pretty much came in well under budget um um and uh, yeah, maybe maybe I would say that we were ninety nine percent there with exactly how we wanted things to happen. You mentioned Chris Morris, and I guess that is the exciting thing about one of these auctions. You just don't know where where it's going to end. And I, um, I guess if that was was that a, a player that you pinpointed yourself that you were really keen to have in your team, and were you going to continue going until you got him? Was this a player you weren't going to back down on? <laughs> Well, I, I think we were we were stretched. I think we had a final price of about twelve to thirteen crore, one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty million Indian rupees. But um, when Kings Eleven Punjab went up to you know one point uh, one hundred and sixty um, or sixteen crore, as they, as they say in India, it was that was our final bid. I mean, we were about, we were about to throw in the towel two bids before, and we just. Thought well, even if we don't get him, we'll actually, you know, end up um, depleting the king's purse by quite a lot if they want to keep going. So that would have been our final bet. We wouldn't have uh, gone above that that at all. Um, um, but uh, yeah, that 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 that's how it goes. I mean, fast bowlers were going to be and quality fast bowlers were going to be in, you know, in demand in this auction. Chris Morris's numbers. Um, you know, are phenomenal. It's it's something that that's really surprises you and stands out quite starkly when you analyze his career as an IPL bowler, and he's up there with the best and better than most in various passages of play, especially at the dead. So, um, yeah, so they, we were looking at him very very keenly. Yeah, I. It's very strange. Whilst I was um, uh, researching uh, stuff for, for today, I came across a piece by Jared Kimber where he compared all of the death bowling averages, and Chris Morris's was very, very um, impressive. I, I believe I, I might not be a hundred percent correct on this, but I believe that only Lasith Malinga had a better economy over the last couple of years, which that sort of says it all, really, doesn't it? <laughs> Worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, um, what happens in the next season um, is really important, uh, whether we can replicate those performances. Um, I, I think sometimes when you are bought for a lot of money, there, it, there is a, a, a dynamic, uh, an extra layer of pressure that's added 
uh, to you and other players, maybe around you as a player. Our job is to really make the player understand that, uh, you know, paying the money that is required is the franchise's job to get the best services possible for the team. And we need to create a really relaxed, calm, fun environment for them to play, that the auction price is the auction price. It's done and dusted. Um, performances uh, can't be guaranteed, but what we can do is try and get a, a benchmark of excellence going in terms of our preparation and our match execution and get these players to buy into it. Um, and that's why I always say we've got to really value not just the skills, but also the player um, himself. Fantastic. Well, um, moving slightly aside from one um, one big franchise competition to another, you obviously you just came back from uh, Abu Dhabi in the T10 uh, league where you were a mentor for Team Abu Dhabi. Um, how did you find that? And how did you find it given that it's a T10 competition and especially globally and generally, it's a relatively new form of the game? It's quite interesting. My first time ever being at a T10 tournament and watching it live, uh, Perhaps first time watching it, period. Uh, I don't think I've watched the last edition of it, but I think it's it's got legs as a as a franchise tournament and as a format. It's very exciting. And even if you think of preparation for T20 franchise tournaments, where you go into a T10 environment where you have to execute and be on top of your game from ball one and there's no real working your way into a game. Um, you know, in T20 cricket at various stages, you might have a little bit of time, a little bit of a cushion, but in T10... Uh, you know, you, you're on from 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 the moment you walk in. So that kind of high intention, in, intensity, high pressure, continuous performance uh, can really help to to raise your game and your ability to cope with pressure and to make decisions that are really um, uh, impactful under pressure. So that's one thing. The other thing is, of course, um, as a, a supplementary format that sits uh, along with. Um, T20 cricket in terms of taking the game beyond its traditional shores into new markets and creating a product that uh, millions around the world will enjoy. Finally, the viability of all of that depends on on, uh, on viewership, on, on, on spectator uptakes, on TV networks, on sponsorships, so on. So it's really to create a something that is exciting, that, that, that has the buy-in of this new, vibrant, younger generation that would otherwise not have the time or the inclination to watch a, you know, a one day or, or, a, or a test match. Um, and what we've seen is more and more in the modern world, you have individuals who are time poor in terms of the ability to, to dedicate a, a large portion of their day or schedule to watch a, a sport, but can really take in you know, smaller bites uh, and they do still love the sport, uh, but they have to make do with, with, different formats and creates their own following. And that's what I saw with T10, even in terms of the Olympics, whether it's T20 or T10, how are they going to really see whether cricket can be pushed into the Olympics? And that's, that's, that's a real key as well. Um, so I think there are lots of advantages rather than negatives in terms of balancing out these formats, but it's something that will be discussed a lot and debated a lot more as we go along, I think. <clears throat> Well, and speaking of exciting new formats, and this being the 100 report, we'd love to talk to you about the 100. Um, what was your first reaction when you heard about this new format? And has there been much, much reaction back home in Sri Lanka? Um, not a huge amount of reaction in Sri Lanka, but I was on the MCC World Cricket Committee when we had a, a presentation um, on the 100. Um, the MCC Committee was also given a presentation on the 100. 
um, and this new format, um, slightly different rules, uh, trying to make cricket a little bit more relevant to English audiences, trying to, um, you know, have a point of difference in how they position this particular tournament. They didn't want it to be a regular T20 tournament, um, um, you know, 120 balls. They've called it the 100. They changed that up. They've had a few changes in rules. Um, all in all, really to create a, a new brand identity that allows uh, players around the uh, around the English circuit and international to to join in to build a, a very strong commercially viable product. And I'm very happy that that everyone did agree to to give it a chance. Uh, it's met some resistance at its initial stages. Uh, then, of course, uh, the COVID pandemic really interrupted its uh, its first launch. Uh, now we're on the cusp of, of of really seeing how it goes in a real world situation. There's been a lot of planning, a lot of chat, a lot of build up, and now it's up to the players and the franchise to play some really exciting cricket, so that the fans that are curious at the moment to see what this new innovation is actually fall in love and become ardent followers of it. Where they say, "Well, it's not just a fad." Um, and it's 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 still very much the cricket that we love, and it's so exciting to watch and be a part of, and fun, and for kids and and you know young girls and boys, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So we have to wait and see how the how the how the players kind of discharge their duties on the field and the and the marketing and the activities and the buzz around the format that the franchise has built. Well. Um... I was curious to see uh, if you've heard anything um, or if uh, you've uh, sort of been drawn towards the Southern Braves, given that Mahila Jaiwarden is um, uh, part of the coaching staff. Um, I was wondering, is, uh, does that mean that the Southern Braves are going to get your fandom from afar? <laughs> I, I think I'll, I'll stay firmly rooted in, in the London spirit, Owen Morgan. <laughs> um, they'll be, be at Lords, Heather Knight, captain in the women's team. Um, and uh, and Shane Warner as, as as the coach, so I think um, you know the spirit get my uh, gets my um, uh, my support, my fandom. Um, the MCC will will own it as well and be part of that uh, exciting franchise. But the Southern Brave, you know, Mahela and I go uh, a long ways back, um, and it'll be exciting, I think, to see how everyone competes. Um, some good sides, some good players coming in and some exciting cricket hopefully to watch yeah absolutely and given um given going forward um given that the 100 takes off and if it does well and it succeeds is it something that you might be interested in getting involved with at some point down the line i don't know i, I think a lot of it depends on 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 time commitment and how much time away from family it takes i think i've earlier um, capped my work days for a year at about between 45 and 60, it's been extended by uh, another 60 or so because of this new role with Rajasthan. Um, and I don't think I can really fit in a lot more into that. So it'll have to be at the cost of something else. But my family and I do spend a lot of time in London. We enjoy uh, you know, the three to four months we spend every year. Um, and we look forward to you know working when we're there and being part of, of the, the cricket instructor when, when I'm there. So it could be something that you know, I could be involved in it at some point in the future, but who knows? Yeah, I'd imagine you're a very busy man, given given the amount of stuff we were looking at and just how active you are in the world of cricket at the moment. It's um, it's not entirely surprising that you might say, yeah, might uh, get, just uh, see how it goes. Um, 
but I wanted to just touch briefly with uh, the people who were made available for the auction. There were a lot of uh, Sri Lankan players who put themselves up for it. Uh, no one was picked, and I think that a lot of that might be to do with the... It's very limited in terms of the overseas players. It's three overseas players, and that's it um, for your entire squad. Um, but looking forward, um, are there any uh, young Sri Lankan players that you feel might uh, work very well? I was sort of... I was poised myself uh, when, obviously, uh, with watching Isaru Odana in the IPL and even in the T10 uh, league, watching Matisha Paterana um, with his very unusual bowling action, figuring that might actually work well in this competition. Um, I was just wondering if you uh, knew any players that, or have seen any players that would do well in this form of a comp competition. Quite a few, really. Um, but there are a couple of reasons why I think that a lot of Sri Lankans now in the recent years don't feature in international franchise tournaments, um, except maybe one or two. Um, and, and, and one is that, yes, we need to really up our game as Sri Lankan players uh, in terms of our international performances in one days, T20s, even in tests, to, to really catch the eye of, of, of franchises, coaches and owners around the world. Um, so our performances have been lagging uh, in comparison to other players from other countries. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is there's a lot of doubt always around availability of Sri Lankan players. When you don't have a, a definitive set schedule, you sometimes have um, players withdrawing at various stages from tournaments, and that's been quite disruptive at times. So that's worked against them as well. Uh, but it's definitely not for a lack of talent or lack of ability. There are so many players who should be and, 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 and should you know, have the ambition to be part of these franchise teams and tournaments. Uh, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. Um, you know, you, it's huge competition for places, like you said, you know, very few overseas places there. So you have to have, uh, you know, something very compelling in terms of, you know, in, in going for you in terms of your, of being picked. Um, and the only way that you can do it is, is perform and keep performing and play exciting uh, and successful, impactful cricket when you do go out. Now, Kumar, I had the most exciting piece of news I've had all year, a couple of weeks back, and I mentioned it on a previous podcast. I've finally been accepted into the MCC. I'm finally a fully-fledged member after a 20-year waiting list. Um, and I know that you're obviously the current president and probably long-standing president because you've gained another year due to the COVID pandemic, and normally it's just a one-year term. What does it entail to be the president of the MCC? What are the responsibilities? Well, it's, it's really changed the role over the years from being actively hands-on running the club to now having a chairman and an executive with a principal committee um, that really runs the club of which you are a part. Um, the president, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, the outgoing president nominates the incoming one um, and that's his or her prerogative and right uh, under the way, uh, you know, the tradition is at MCC. Um, uh, and also the president uh, has a lot of uh, work to do in terms of brand building, in terms of uh, um, the expansion of, of MCC as an international members club beyond the shores of London and to, and to really uh, keep it relevant and, and right smack bang in the middle of, of, of any important cricket debate or cricket happening in the world. Uh, MCC still owns the copyrights for the laws. Uh, but at the same time, 
one of the most important things about MCC is that it's it's independent. It's got an impartiality and neutrality that the ICC sometimes does not have. So we are a, a very important um, you know, uh, part of the puzzle in terms of international cricket. Um, and we have a very powerful and influential voice. We have uh, over 18,000 um, members, another you know, 5,000 plus associate members. And uh, the president can really choose to decide which of the areas that he or she wants to be involved in, uh, whether it's the foundational work, whether it's um, a lot more to do with uh, the, the, the happenings in the club. There's been governance change and an ongoing process of revision at the club. Um, so, um, you know, developments happening, so on and so forth. So a lot of areas to get involved in. And uh, But since we have such a competent um, executive uh, chairman and, and, and committee and committees under that, um, you know, your real worry of actually running the club is, is, is not there at all. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite an interesting, interesting role and it's been quite fun to be part of. Fantastic. Well, um, that's kind of uh, the end of all of the questions that we got, but we thought just to round off the podcast, um, given that it, it goes without saying you're a legend of the game, and um, obviously we as fans are very into stats and records and all that sort of stuff, but we thought we, uh, we wanted to throw some questions at you about yourself and your career um, and see how, uh, how well you know your own career. Um, so without further ado, uh, are, you, are you ready? Can I throw a question at you? Please, please go ahead. Okay, so uh, this is question one of ten. Um, you made your test debut in July 2000 at Gaul versus which nation? Oh, that, that's easy. That's South Africa. <laughs> I thought it might be, yes. <laughs> Correct. Okay, question two. Who has a better one-day international average out of yourself or Ben Stokes? Probably Ben Stokes. You're wrong, Kumar. You've got 41.98 and Ben is on 40.63. I, th I think he'll beat me in the next few weeks, I reckon. <laughs> not to, not to. <laughs> um, so, uh, next question. Obviously, you uh, had a phenomenal World Cup uh, where you scored four back-to-back -back centuries. Uh, I just wanted to see if you could name which four teams you scored your hundreds against. Uh, Bangladesh, Australia, England and Scotland, I think. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. 100% correct. You're very well. <laughs> um, question four. Can you name the top three run scorers in one day international cricket of all time? Sachin Tendulkar. Uh, Sachin Tendulkar. <laughs> Who else? Ricky Ponting. Maybe Collis at number three. Kumar, you need to give yourself more credit. We've got Satin Tendulkar, you're at number two, and Ricky Ponting's at number three. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, only one player has more test match double hundreds than yourself. Um, who is it? Oh, that's, that's the Don. That is the, <laughs> <a> Don. <laughs> that's the Donald Bradford, fantastic. Who has a higher test average out of yourself or Steve Smith? Oh, Steve Smith. It's in the 60s. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Correct. 61.80 and you're, 50, you're 57.40. That's a good one to ask. 
Um, you made your highest test score of 319 in which city? Uh, it's against Bangladesh. Um, I would say Chittagong. Correct. Yeah, it was the Zahur Abna Chowdhury Stadium in Chittagong. Yes, I remember that, yeah. It's very flat. You don't imagine it would be hard to forget. <laughs> Question eight. Who would you predict to be the next batsman to reach four consecutive hundreds in one day international? Oh, I think there's quite a few. Rohit Sharma is, you know, one of the leading candidates. He scored an amazing amount of hundreds in the last World Cup. Virat Kohli, for sure. Stephen Smith is there. Um, Kane Williamson, Joe Root. You know, so many players. It has to probably be someone in that top four batting spots. It'll make it slightly easier. Um, yeah, so one. I think I think you have a long list of candidates for that. I've just realized that is a terrible quiz question because there's no wrong or right answer to that, but we'll wait and see. You get the point for that anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, last one from me. Uh, one of your record-breaking World Cup hundreds was also your highest strike rate uh, in the hundreds you got in an ODI. Uh, which uh, team was it? So it's a one in four chance. I, I think that would be England. It was close. Uh, yeah, England was number two. It was actually Bangladesh. Oh, really? You got a strike rate oh, of really? 38.15. All right, okay. <laughs> and final question, who has the highest amount of test runs out of yourself or Mahela Jaiwoodner? Oh, I think I do. I think he retired. Uh, he retired just before I did. So I, I think I, um, I do, yeah. A few Correct. runs more than. Correct. You've got 12,400. Mahela got 11,814. So you pipped oh, into right. the post on that one. Uh, well, well <laughs> done, Puma. I think you um, pretty much got most of those correct. So. Well done on the Kuma quiz. You passed. <laughs> um, well, that's, um, that's, that's everything from us. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much uh, for being on the 100 report with us. Pleasure. Pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks All so the much. best for this season with Rajasthan Royals. And I hope to see you in the pavilion this summer at Lords. See you there while you watch your cricket from the members, members area. <laughs> well, he was nice, wasn't he? Absolutely lovely. Um, what a wonderful, what a wonderful interview. Um, it was so generous with his time. He's clearly super busy. Yeah. It's so nice that he joined us. And yeah, I'm so excited for the IPL season to start now. I know. It, it feels like everything's snowballing now. Um, and I, I can't wait. Do So everybody who's listening to us, please do stick with us. We've got so much to talk about. We've got some more guests coming up. We've got the IPL. We've got the 100. We've got the Test Series. We've got the PSL. So as ever, please do like and subscribe if you're not already yet. We are on Twitter at 100Report. On Instagram at The100Report. So stay tuned because we've got plenty more coming up. Speak to you soon. Thank you.